You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. When the Sox clinch the postseason and possibly clinch the American League Central, are you thinking that you're going to be as excited as you were the last time it happened? Hmm. Which, if you think about it, was 2008. They kind of limped into the postseason. They backed in because the Twins choked at the end. At that time, Dave, just to put it in perspective, I had a three-year-old and an infant. I now have a high schooler, a seventh grader, and another child that wasn't even a gleam in my eye. Right. At the game that they got eliminated by the Rays in the postseason, during the sixth inning, I got a phone call from the Cook County Sheriff's Police hiring me as a 911 dispatcher. I since then have served and retired with a partial pension. Congratulations. As a dispatcher and dispatch supervisor. That's how long it's been. So will you celebrate and go nuts, or will it be muted because of the extended playoffs and because it's a shortened season? What do you think? It's tough to compare it to 2008 because the way that I saw it in 2008 is we weren't really supposed to be there. We fell apart at the last minute. Then the Twins fell apart worse. Then the Twins fell apart worse. (laughs) We got in. Or we got into the play-in game. We get lucky on a coin flip. They've changed the rules since then because it should have been played in Minnesota, right? You know, there was no... As a Sox fan, I had never experienced anything like watching that blackout game. So that was... And then winning it the way that we did, um, it's going to be tough to compare the clinching of this playoffs to the clinching of that the one. clinching of that one right um what about 05 it's gonna, think about it's, 05 it's when they feel, beat detroit and yeah. you were like they're good they're gonna go in there is it gonna feel like that like we won that's like awesome there's more work to do it's gonna feel more like 05 to me yeah to be honest with you because when we got in in 08 that to me was like okay we did this we it, we did a thing we 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 beat our arch rival twins in the in the blackout game and and you know we all knew there was no chance of them beating the Rays. Right. None. So at that point, we were kind of just playing with house money. We were the Indians in the movie Major League. That's yes. what we were. Yes, with that the, was that was that's funny. That's what that, we that's were. Exactly what it was. That's exactly what it felt like. Yeah, because <laughs> like you won, but that was the pinnacle of where you were going to go. Like everything else was gravy. And you didn't even expect to beat the Rays in the next round. Okay, well we're we're on the same page with that. Speaking of the Indians, Chris, you know, <laughs> last time I sat down in this bar. We were talking about how there was just no chance that the Indians were going to be our first round playoff opponent because we were still we were still at the time the third seed. The Indians were at the top of the division and we were thinking, well, third seed, so we're looking Houston, we're looking Toronto, we're looking maybe New York. Things have changed. The Sox now are the number one seed in the American League as we sit and record this podcast, and the Indians have fallen apart. Losers of their last four games, if I'm not mistaken. So Indians are now the eighth seed, so seeing them in the playoffs is a real possibility. So as we did last week, Chris, I ask you, go ahead and give me the Chris Lanuti scouting of the Indians. All right, and it's all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions, family-owned, veteran-owned, female-owned, the proud sponsors of Socks in the Basement. They've got everything handled in your basement and with your foundation. 
And if you tell them you heard about them on Socks in the Basement, they got money they're taking off of your job and every job, a portion of the proceeds going to veteran and first responder organizations, FAMWS.com. Dave, the 2020 Cleveland Indians are the scariest thing in the playoffs to me. (laughs) They are the most, even though they have been losing, they are scary because of their pitching. Now, it's a tale of two different things here. Their pitching is incredible. Their hitting sucks. Right. Much like how the White Sox are going to trot out a number one and a number two, and then they're picking between two number five starters to be the third starter in the first round of the postseason and throughout it. Because mm-hmm. we basically have a one, a two, two fives at a bullpen day. That's what our, ro- rota- that's what our rotation is right now. And I'll, I'll bring that up a little bit later on because I'm going to talk about Dunning and Cease. I've got a comparison for you. So, uh, you know, just take that with a grain of salt until we get to it. Okay. They've got possibly the Cy Young Award winner this year in Shane Bieber. Oh, possibly. There's, I don't think there's any doubt. He's got a whip of 0.86. He's got a FIP of 2.04 and an ERA of 1.53. He started 10 games so far, and he's 7-1. and one. He's a righty. Yeah. Aaron Savale. Aaron Savale may be 3-5, but over 58 innings and 9 games started, he's got a whip of 1.55. And his FIP is 3.41 to go with his ERA of 3.88. He's a righty. We have Carlos Carrasco, who might be 2-4, and four, but the right-handed pitcher has a whip of 1.286 and a fielding independent pitching that's higher than his ERA right now at 3.71. He's a righty, if I didn't mention that. Zach Plesak's a righty. Zach Plesak, I was just going to mention Plesak. He's 3-2 yeah. and two this year. Remember, he took some time off because... He don't believe in no COVID, but he's come back and he's got, and he's his, just angry. Yeah. And he's, he's got a whip of like 0.78. A, it's actually better than Shane Bieber's two point uh, ERA in the low two yeah. points. If I, uh, in the low twos, if I read it, you could argue he's better than Bieber in September so far. Yes. And Tristan McKenzie, guess what? Right-handed, right-handed starting pitcher, pitcher yeah. two and one with a 0.789 whip. Every single one of these guys have an ERA in the threes or the twos. They're all right-handed pitchers. As I look at my Rick Factor sheet, the White Sox still undefeated against left-handed starting pitchers. And now above 500 by four games against righties. They're 20 and 16. So they are starting to beat some right-handed hitters. And we're going to talk before the show is over because I'm going to tell you why they're finally starting to do better against righties and why Ricky Renteria has to make a tough decision when it comes to the postseason, if he wants to beat a team like the Indians. Now, meanwhile, look at the offense of the Indians. I mean, that's the one thing that would save us. They can't get a hit. They have two guys with an OPS over 800. That's Ramirez and Fran Mil Reyes. Francisco Lindor is down this year, hitting 277 with a 776 OPS. They have only one, two, three, four, five players on their entire roster with an OPS over 700. They are a poorly hitting baseball team. What this all boils down to is that you see the Indians in the playoffs. You're going to see a lot of tight. You're going to have to to beat them one, zero, two, one, three, one, stuff like that. You're not going to see, you know, you're not going to see this White Sox offense putting up a dozen runs. Oh no, no, this is a completely different team. Like we, we're excited about offense. But pitching and defense wins championships. And in the postseason, that may come into play. We are going to have to get good outings from Giolito, from Keiko, and likely in a third game, Dunning or Cease. 
And we're going to need that to be able to take this series because we are not going to get that left-handed pitcher that's going to come out there that we can eat. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Regarding the Adam Engel fake bunt, and then he pokes that single through the infield to score the go-ahead run. Engel and, and Renteria have kind of passed it back and forth. Engel came out and said, you know, no, this is all Ricky. Ricky told me to do that, blah, 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 blah. Ricky came back and said, hey, you know what? I said I said to Engel, if you see this, you know, go ahead, but, uh, you know, I'll leave it up to you. I don't know about you, Chris. I am giving Renteria the win last night. I give Renteria the win last because night. Because either way you cut it, he pinch hit for Engel in that key, or he pinch hit Engel in that key situation. And whether the fake bunt was on or not, he coached him to say, hey, look for this. If you see that middle of the infield open, go for it. I give Renteria not only the win last night for that call, and that's a patented Chris Lanuti fake bunt. Back when I was eight years old, <laughs> right. I would fake bunt like crazy because they were trying to teach kids to come in on bunts. And I would always square and then immediately hit it past the third baseman. Because I wasn't a kid with power. Right. And my dad was like, you know, you could pull it back. And that was my entire offense for like two years <laughs> until people wised up that that's what I was going to do. Last night when I saw it, I was like, the Lanuti fake butt. I, you never see it in the major leagues, but it's the thing my dad taught me as a little kid. No, it, you still have to execute it, but the call comes from Renteria. Renteria knows that they're putting a play on on the mound at that moment with Angle getting ready to go to the plate. And he tells him what to do. Yes, Angle recognizes it. I give the win to Renteria. I also give Renteria the win immediately following the loss to the Pirates. I have him at a complete even zero manager war right now. He had two wins this week, and I'm going to tell you why. The Chicago White Sox lost that game on the 8th of September. And after that, Edwin Encarnacion was removed from the lineup. And McCann goes in along with Labreu and Yasmati Grandal. And the Sox score eight runs. The next game, Encarnacion comes back and is plugged into the four hole. He's a complete hole in the middle of the lineup. He goes over and they squeak out a 4-3 win against the Tigers to start off last weekend. Remember that game? Yes, that I was do. a close game that shouldn't have been close. Yes. Then he drops Edwin Encarnacion to the sixth spot. The Sox go off 14 runs. Edwin did nothing in that game. No, he, he had a hit. That's all he had. He had one hit and two strikeouts in that game. He was one for five. Then no Edwin in the lineup. They win 5-2, the final game against the Tigers. In Monday night's game against the Twins, remember how close this game is. Edwin Encarnacion is elevated back into the five spot in the heart of your order. 
goes 0 for 4 and leaves five men on base. Edwin Encarnacion right now is the X factor as to whether or not you can compete against right-handed pitching. We haven't seen a left-handed pitcher in a week. No, okay. why, why would we? We haven't seen it. Nobody's given them to us. No. Why would they? But he, being out of the lineup, makes the offense more potent. I want to give you some interesting numbers on Edwin. And this is why I give Renteria credit for the game where he finally takes Edwin out of the lineup. Yeah. And he's been experimenting taking him out or batting him lower. And every time he gets this idea in his head, like, oh, I could put Edwin four, I could put Edwin five. No, stop. Offensive stop. output against a righty drops dramatically. Dramatically. Edwin Encarnacion, the last time he hit over 200 this year, was on August the 11th when he was hitting 206. The next day he was down to 179. Oof. He never gets above 185. For the remainder of the season, he enters September hitting 167 and going into the twin series hitting 174 and after the first night dropped the 168. Edwin Encarnacion is done. The, the narrative that he's a slow starter, you could counter with, well, he wasn't always a slow starter. Just as he got older, he would have these slow starts. But the slow starts have actually gone longer into the year every year he gets older. Father time is caught up with Edwin. I know that Eloy Jimenez loves him. I know that some of the players look at him in like a father figure, but Edwin should be used sparingly. And in the postseason, I will contend, should not be in the starting lineup at all. You think about why you got Edwin Encarnacion to begin with. You got in with Edwin Encarnacion because there was a huge hole in the DH position from last year. We know this, okay? You weren't sure what you were going to get, out of James McCann. They were thinking that in a normal season, because at the time they got Edwin Encarnacion, we were still looking at a full 162-game season ahead of us, okay? They were thinking James McCann being a trade piece at some point mid-season. Well, fast forward to now, it's a short season. McCann is tearing the cover off the ball anytime he goes out there. And with Edwin Encarnacion, all you're doing is taking away a roster. You're just, you're eating up that DH spot with somebody who, in my opinion, McCann, should be playing every day at this point based off of the performance. Dave, in the month of September, we have three losses. One of those losses was an 8-1 to one loss to the Twins because Reynaldo Lopez was out there doing Reynaldo Lopez things. <laughs> right. I can't blame that on Edwin Encarnacion being in the middle of the lineup, although you only did score one run in that game offensively. Right, right. right. The other two games were one-run losses. Low-scoring games. Both of them, Encarnacion was in the four or the five spot and left men all over the base paths in key situations. Because what you have... And what you're doing is you're letting teams hang in with you because you keep trying to get him going. And what I'm saying is the time is over to get him going at this point. Win your division, beat teams up, and when you go into this three-game set, don't bring him in there unless you like the matchup in a pinch-hitting situation and you're looking for a moment. That's all he is. You know what he is? He's Kirk Gibson. Right. Injured. Right. Coming off the bench with a possibility for magic. But you're not starting him. That's what he is in the postseason. You cannot send Edwin Encarnacion out there starting, and you cannot bat him any higher than sixth if you insist on doing it. Ricky Renteria is going to have to come down to a situation where he's going to have to decide. Does what's best for the team matter more or what is best for the veteran player and his belief 
that veterans need to be treated a certain way, and you can't just sit him for those three games because he's Edwin Encarnacion, and he can't do that. You can't have loyalty to this person at all. He will not be on your team next year. I guarantee his option is not picked up. No, no. This is it. So all he is now is a guy off the bench if you need a bat, but if everybody's healthy, you should see McCann, you should see Abreu, you should see Grandal, wherever you need to mix and match them throughout the playoffs, playing all the time. And Zach Collins needs to be brought back up and put on this team because you're going to need him as an emergency catcher if your catcher gets injured and the other one's in a DH spot. Unless you insist on the idea of having Abreu be your DH, putting Grandal at first for the postseason and having McCann catch in multiple games where if one of them got injured, you have the other one that can move from first base down the catcher. Otherwise, you need to bring Collins in because Encarnacion is a hole in the middle of your lineup. One other observation I wanted to make, you had mentioned the defense. Is it me, Chris, or is this team throwing leather around all of a sudden? Like I saw, you know, between Anderson and Madrigal and Mancata, I saw some serious defense last uh, on Monday night, excuse me, you know, with some of the plays that were being made. What are you seeing? Because I'm seeing, I'm seeing improvements all across the board defensively on this team. I'm seeing Mancata get his legs back which we all know was a result of COVID and he was honest about it. And I think the fact that he's been honest about it, if you notice that since he started talking about it out loud, it's almost as if it's allowed him to heal instead of trying to hide it. I'm seeing a Tim Anderson that remember two years ago, there were two guys. I said, Mancata's going to get better. Stop burying him when he sucked. And Tim Anderson was never going to be worth short because he couldn't play defense unless he hit over 300. And last year he made up for his defense hitting and getting the batting title. This year, he's going to have the batting title, and he's becoming a better defender. Yes. He's he's actually showing instinctive plays. He's not doing this, you know, throw the ball when there's no chance of getting the guy from, like, deep in the hole thing. Like, he's he's becoming more disciplined, and you can hear in his interviews, he's aware of the fact that's the weakest part of his game, and he's working on it, and that is commendable. I mean, like, that's wonderful. He, he Like, he actually saved... He actually saved a run or two on Monday night right. with his play, uh, which is, you know, just smart play, being in the right place, you know, not throwing the ball, doing the right things. So I am encouraged about the defense of this team being able to hang in there with an Indians team that has, you know, godlike pitching, all of which being right-handed, but with a team that can't hit very well. I am under. I am of the opinion that now the defense of this team, the White Sox, that is, is not the liability it was two years ago or even last year. And Dave and I on this episode of Sox in the Basement have not only been trying to break down this team, but also through the prism of what happens if they end up facing the Cleveland Indians in the first round, which is now becoming a possibility. But a lot of things can change. After we're done talking about that and you're listening to it, you may start braiding your daughter's hair or taking care of a sick parent. You may make a promise to your child that there's nothing in this world that you wouldn't do for them. And for 175 years, New York Life Insurance Company has lived by this belief, love is more than a feeling, it's an action. Putting your love into action for those you care for starts with a simple phone call to your local New York Life agent, David Miller. David's a big Sox fan. He listens to Sox in the basement all the time, and he wants you to reach out to him at 773-957-3630 or at NewYorkLife.com. Dave Miller is going to make sure that your needs always come first, just like you do for yours. Give him a call, 773-957-3630.
and looking back at the Sox and comparing them to this Indians team. And I'm also convinced you can beat that pitching staff in close games if you don't put a hole in the four or five spot of your lineup. This is, I mean, the, the secret to beating the Indians is not hard. You have defense, you have enough pitching, you have a better offense than they do, and you have to perform better against righties, and your lineup is better against right-handed pitchers. It's, it's above 500 instead of below 500 when Edwin Encarnacion is not in the four or the five spot of your lineup, and when he's out of your lineup, it's even better. So, I mean, that is a proven stat now over almost the complete 60-game season. You could take a look at it. You could break it down game by game as I have. Your team is at its worst against a right-handed starting pitcher with Edwin Encarnacion in the four or five spot in your lineup. You have the worst offensive production overall than any other situation that you have when you're out there. And so it's something that needs to be done. And you're right. Defense matters so much. I'm going to tell you something right now. Last year, if somebody would have walked up to me and said, you're going to get the same Tim Anderson at the plate, possibly better, and his defense is going to improve, I would have kissed him on the mouth, okay? (laughs) And if you would have told me two years ago, this middling shortstop that you have is going to become an offensive powerhouse and in a couple years is going to be very good defensively too, it had been pants-off, dance-off time because that's how little I believed it two years ago. It is a credit to his work ethic. I mean, look, we said it before. When we're right about something, we trumpet that we're right about something. When A couple of years ago, and I said it last year too, when I said I was wrong, guy can hit. I didn't, I didn't think he had it in him. He continues to prove doubters wrong. I love the swag, and you can't not be impressed. If you're not impressed with Tim Anderson at this point, you're a fan that just wants to find something wrong or doesn't want to admit that you were wrong. Like we say all the time, yeah, I'd rather be wrong. I, I, I you'd rather be, be wrong. You would rather be wrong and have the team winning than be right and have the team losing. Exactly, and that's the thing. We've been right about a lot of things. Look, things that we said Ricky needed to change in his lineup, he changed them. Maybe he's a big Saxon basement listener. Maybe somebody around there's a big Saxon basement listener. Or maybe he just started using regular logic because we're not pulling things out of, out of outer space here that other people can't figure out by just going on the internet and looking at stats. So at some point, he got on a better track than where he was in the first couple of weeks. You can see the difference from when in the first few weeks into this thing, you were a middling 500 team. You're a very different team because little adjustments have been made that we were calling for at the beginning of the of the season. If I'm going to take credit or at least say we were on that, me and you, Dave, I have to also sit there and say, Tim Anderson, God bless you for continuously making me look stupid. <laughs> Where if somebody goes back and listens to my opinion of you two years ago, they would laugh. And they can. It's, it's all out there. You can download Socks in the Basement episodes from two years ago and you can hear us just hitting our, you know, what slamming our heads, yeah. slamming our heads against the bar because of Tim Anderson. Oh, I was putting him in center field because he can't play defense. Like, I remember I was that. Him. I, I remember was just, that. I was like, well, they love him because he's a draft pick. Remember? Yeah. Oh, they're never going to, they're going to just keep shoving him out there. He's Starling Castro. Remember? I was calling him, I was calling him <laughs> Willie Harris. <laughs> he was never that bad. He was never that bad. Uh, anyway, but I, I, look, it's fun right now as we're getting close to this. I'm excited about the fact that we're getting close to this. I do want to talk real quick though about two pitchers, Dylan. Yeah, Cease Dylan and uh, right. The two, the 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 two number five starters. Well, that's what I. You think they're higher than a number five in a good rotation? In a good rotation, you think maybe Dunning's a four? I don't know, man. Dylan Based on Ce- this year, Dylan Cease had a. Dylan Cease had. Dylan Cease had a great performance Monday. Not a great performance nope. Monday. Nope. Not a great performance. He did not have a great performance, but he had a. He had a magician-like performance. Yeah, but that's what we'll his entire say, season is. We'll say that. That's what his entire season is. Dylan Cease currently has a whip of 1.38. All right. D- Dylan Cease has had 10 games that he started. He's got a 0.4 war. Dane Dunning 
has only been in four games that he started, and he has a higher ward in Dylan Cease. He's actually worth more, and his whip is one, even. He puts okay. one guy on per inning over the innings that he has pitched so far, 20. So he's put 20 guys on by either a walk or a hit in 20 innings. That, that's a big deal. That shows there's some consistency. Dylan Cease went four and two-thirds on Monday night. He gave up five hits and put five additional players on base with walks. He put 10 guys on over four and two-thirds. Well, he was having a very hard time spotting his, his pitches right. was the thing. But yeah, no. He, I, his it wasn't... best game to date was the start before that against the Pirates where they ended up losing. Over five innings, he only put five guys on. He didn't walk anybody. Then the start before that, five innings pitched, he ends up putting on six guys. That's not bad. The Kansas City Royals game that he goes, four and a third in, he puts seven guys on over four and a third. He's putting on more guys than, he's, than, than the innings that he's pitching. He's not going deep in the games. Right. And you, as you go back through his stats, he generally puts on far more guys per innings pitched. I look at a Dane Dunning again with a whip of 1.00. His last start, he went six innings. In fact, his innings load is getting bigger while Cease's is decreasing. Cease hasn't had six innings in like four or five starts. He has a higher ceiling if you look at what he's capable of doing because Cease is yet to prove he can have a game where he goes out there and doesn't put a bunch of guys on base. He puts guys on base every single time he's out there. He needs to escape constantly. Dunning gives the defense a break where there are innings where nobody reaches first. That's a big deal. Here's my question, though, about Dunning. First of all, we're only looking at four games of Dane Dunning. It's a pretty small sample size as opposed to what we saw with Understood, but if Dane Dane Dunning, we're sitting here right now. Here we go. The show comes out on Wednesday. We're sitting here before the game on Tuesday night, so we don't know what happened. If Dane Dunning goes out and doesn't load people up all over the base paths and is more efficient than Dylan Cease, is Dane Dunning the number three starter in the postseason in the first round? I would say yes, because the other thing I was going to bring up is that so much of pitching is mental. Pitchers are just so mentally, they're just such mentally and emotionally fragile creatures. You know, do you trust? You just called pitchers snowflakes. (laughs) (laughs) What was it? I, I forget the quote was. Somebody had said pitchers are, in fact, the stupidest athletes in all professional sports. I can't remember who said that. It might have been, it might have been Kevin Costner when he was talking to Nuke Lelouch. Might have been, might have been, might have been. But the point is, is this. Do you trust do you trust a guy with that small a sample size in a pressure situation against you know in in the playoffs? Now, look, this Minnesota series right now that we're currently in, this very much to me has a playoff atmosphere vibe to it. You know, and I I don't know if you would agree, but Well, I think it does because the White Sox have made it that way. Like their leaders on their team are basically saying this is a big series. It's almost like they're talking themselves into it, which is a good thing because they had the yips about a week or so ago when they thought it was a big series. And so now they're telling themselves, suck it up, let's go win. So my point is, if Dunning Dunning comes out tonight and he gives you six innings plus of one-run, two-run baseball, not walking the yard and putting guys on base left and right— this twin series is as pressure of a situation as it gets. So this, to me, would prove that, yes, Dunning could perform in high-pressure situations. I asked James Fox, and I believe I also brought up the Merkin. Uh, we've been doing Socks in the Basement Saturdays, which is a conversation with somebody just sitting down talking White Sox. Sometimes it's live. In fact, we're going to do a live show 
a week from this Saturday coming up where I'm going to be live. We'll have details for you next week. You'll be able to listen on the Podbean app because that's going to be right there at the end of the season. I'm going to want to talk to the fan base about what they're thinking because that's the final weekend. But I talked to James Fox from Future Sox and Sports Illustrated. You can go back and get that one on demand. And I asked him, do you think this is an audition? for Dunning and Cease because of this series. He wasn't so sure about it, but I got to believe that it is. Look, if Dunning did bad on Tuesday night, Cease is the starter in game three. If Dunning did well, then you'd, you'd almost assume that Dunning, unless he stumbles, is probably the starter in game three of the first round of the postseason. And Ricky could use them both, to be honest with you, because you're going to play that three-game set. You're probably going to get a little bit of rest and be able to start your number one and your number two again. So you could throw the kitchen sink in game three if you want to. Because I would imagine you're getting a day off in there somewhere or two days off. I mean, well, the schedule, it'd be, the, it'd the be sch- crazy. It'd be crazy if you didn't get five days of natural rest for your number one starter so that they couldn't be ready for game number one of the ALDS. I don't know exactly how it works, but that'd be insane. Are you talking me. in between series or yeah, in, in between, between games series. within a series? Well, no, what I'm saying is, okay, so on the 20, I want to say it's the 29th of September is when the first game would be. So let's say Cease plays game one of this three-game set. It's all going to be played in Chicago if we end up as one of the top four seats. So that's three nights. So they're going to play three nights. If there's just one day off before the next series starts, you could nobody could throw their number one starter to start off series oh, one and, thro- and to start off saying. series two. So I'm not exactly sure. Sh- I keep trying to find like things that are definitive. Like they just came out with the bubble, which is hysterical. They're going to put them all in a bubble and they're going to send all the American League teams to Dodger Stadium or Petco Park where the San Diego Padres play, and they're going to send the National League teams to Houston and uh, and and Dallas for where the where the or Arlington where the Rangers play, right? So they're doing so, a, so they're doing it the same way that hockey they're doing, they're yes. doing the same way that hockey did but it. Look at the bubble they selected for the American League teams. Get ready to watch all of our players run around in orange skies because there's a massive fire going out there around yeah. LA and choking on fumes. Like, you've made a terrible decision, Major League Baseball. Do you think the forest fire is over by then? I wonder if they can. You better hope it will be. I wonder if they can change that, though. They just agreed to it. They just agreed to it on Monday or Tuesday. I don't know what they're doing then. I don't don't see how you can put them out there. I mean, so so if the conditions are bad, do you intend to send your players out there in a bubble where they're going to live, where in the middle of the day there's going to be choking skies? Like, I don't understand that. I don't know why you don't do it in New York. Why don't do it? Why not do it in well? Because weather. They're I thinking mean, weather. They want warm weather areas and things like that. And they're thinking COVID because they think COVID is a hot spot in Florida. They don't want to send the teams to Florida, so they're using they're using. So send them to Arizona. Petco Park shouldn't be a problem because San Diego's much more south. But they are getting problems with air quality and with visibility and with the remnants of this giant fire going out in California in in and around Los Angeles. I just talked to a friend of mine. In Los Angeles, he told me it's like being in the apocalypse right now. And one of the bubble sites is the Dodger Stadium. Like, I really hope that when by the time we get to the bubble sites, this is over, or at least the White Sox get the draw Petco because the team's playing in Dodger Stadium. That's going to be miserable. So I thought that was really interesting. I think it's like the story that nobody's thinking of because it's so far away. We're still a couple of weeks away from the bubble, but there's no guarantee that everything's okay out there. I don't see. I, listen, I don't know much about forest fires i don't i don't know much about forest fires i would have a hard time i would have a hard time believing like look if you put these things out tomorrow i would have a hard time believing that the air quality is going to be up to par in what like a month 
It'd be interesting. Less than a month? It's like, three, a, it's, like, it's like three weeks at this point now, isn't it? We, mean, we may need to find a forest fire expert just to come on the show to explain it to us if we end up out there well, while it's going Well, you used to on. be a 911 dispatcher. You got some <laughs> connections in the, in, the, in the CFD. Come on, man. <laughs> I could call the fire marshal for the state of Illinois. I think I still have his number inside of my cell phone. See, there you so go. I'll, I'll find somebody. There you go. We'll have to have somebody on, like, explain to me how this is going to work. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.